I'm Peyton. And I'm Piper. And this is Offbeat Archives, Archives, where we discuss strange history, abnormal psychological phenomena, and case studies that pique our interests. Today we're reviewing the absolutely gruesome case of the Greyhound bus slaying. This is going to be a very graphic episode, and there will be graphic depictions of dead bodies, dismemberment, murder, and cannibalism. Listener discretion is advised. But first, Peyton, how was your week? Well, it's only been three days yeah. since we last recorded, mm-hmm. um, so not a lot of updates. And yeah. my main biggest update on what I've done, um, you were there for, so. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I forgot to mention that on, on my thing. So, yesterday, we got together. Um, some of my mom's... What? <laughs> the way you worded that is funny. Why is that funny? Yesterday, we got together. That was like a transition. We got together... And I was going to list all the people that were there, okay. if you would have let me finish, actually. Okay, continue finish. So my mom's friends from work, <laughs> and their kids, and also Piper was there, and we had a little cookout moment. It took forever to make the food, because we have never used that grill before. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, we have. I think it's just been a really long time. And then we ran out of, like charcoal so it's like we had to put some of in the oven at the end and it was kind of an ordeal yeah the hamburgers that hillary made so good top tier do you want to know what her secret is what i guess i'll reveal this on air she when we go to before we make burgers we get food from zaxby's and we ask for extra seasoning and they put it in little tupperwares and we use zaxby's seasoning that's brilliant yeah and there was a lot of watermelon, which Piper cut so graciously. Yeah. It was delicious. I yeah. love watermelon. I always cut the watermelon. Well, I say that like I've done it more You've than You've done twice. it two times, so but now like, it's like you have to. Yeah, it's going to be my thing. I'm going to cut the watermelon for them. I'll drive eight hours in the summer if yeah. you guys want me to cut watermelon for you. Yeah, that's what you'll have to do. Yeah. And anyways, <laughs> I made a tres leche cake. Oh my gosh. Which slayed. It was so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I had dreams about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was that was delicious, absolutely magnificent. It's already like over halfway gone. Really? Like that huge pan. It's it was so good. Yeah, I haven't made it in a while. I don't know why I don't make it that often. It's really it's not even hard to make either. So yeah. I don't know why I don't. She's a great baker. It was a cinnamon cake with you poke a bunch of holes in it, three milks per the tres leche. Mm-hmm. Condensed milk, evaporated milk, heavy whipping cream. You mix it together. You pour it in the ba- cake after it's baked. You let it soak it in like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And you cover it with a nice thick layer of whipped cream mm-hmm. and some cinnamon. Then it's good. Magnificent. Yeah. Not just good. Since, of course, it's only been a couple of days. Yeah. Um, I did actually have a an exam for my counseling class on... Friday, I think it was, um, and I was like, I completely aced this, like, I made a 100, and I made an 85, which, okay, I'm a little proud of, but, like, at the same time, I'm like, wow, I literally thought that I was going to ace that. You've literally said this on the, on the podcast before, where you were like, I thought I did so good, and then I made, like, an 80, and I was like, No, I made a 75 that time. Again, not that bad. High school me would have been sobbing her eyes out, so... Yeah, the fact that I'm not. Probably would have too. Like, I keep forgetting that we're like recording and we're not just having a conversation. So I want to just like go to town on my sun chips and and fruit snacks. Yeah, but I can't. Yeah, I have some 
This is gonna be extremely loud when I move it. Some sun chips from the vending machine. Garden salsa. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious. But yeah, so I had that and then I got my results today. I went to all my classes today, which is an a rare accomplishment. Occasion. Yeah, it's a very rare occasion. It was much an accomplishment. Yeah. I, I looked at her like after class and I was like, how many absences do I have? And she's like, seven. And I was like, how many are allowed for the class? And she's like, 11. So, like, I'm fully okay. Like, there's no way I could, like, fail the class with absences at this point because our last class is on Wednesday. Um, because then testing starts, so. I only miss seven. That's not that bad. I live right next to the building. Yeah. And. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, you commute. Yeah. But, like, I live literally on campus, like, two, one minute walk to that class. Mm. Yeah. But I have been going through an episode recently, so. An episode of Offbeat Archives? An episode of Offbeat Archives. Episode four. Wow. We've come so far. Mm. Yeah, I guess. We're filming. Oh, we're, oh, we haven't even addressed. We're, fil- we're filming this now. Yeah, we're filming this now. Yeah. Um, we are going to do, it's, it's going to be on YouTube, right? It's going to be on YouTube. And TikTok, some clips. Some clips on TikTok. Eventually, there's a way to have it on Spotify as well. Really? Yeah. I didn't think so. Well, it's like if you, like, when you listen to it, if you click on it, like, instead of, like, the album cover being there, it shows, like, a video. Oh, that's cool. I'll have to learn how to do that. Yeah. So we'll figure that out. Yeah. Maybe. Let's, we, we should cut that part out because we don't know if we'll figure that out. Yeah. We can leave it in. Yeah. It's staying um, in. We're not cutting it. Um, so this, no cuts. I think, might be, we're going to just, like, warn them just in case we don't get the everything situated. This might be... I believe in us. Yeah. I think we will be able to do it, but I think this might be our last episode until August of this year because Peyton here is a local here, and I am not. I live eight hours away, and so I'm going home for the summer, and I won't be able to record unless we can record remotely, which we're going to be working on, and we're going to test that out later um, this week, Um, but... Which is, um, it's a la- it's possibly a last, but also a first, as our first filmed episode. Yeah. You're gonna get probably some, like, juicy, uncut, mm, let me rephrase that. <laughs> some, you're gonna get some secret little bo- bloopers, behind-the-scenes moments. Yeah. That wouldn't translate to audio. Yeah, because there's so many, like, conversations that we have that, like, we can't transfer into audio, so I have to cut them out. Yeah, because it, it, it makes it just seem like we're either evil human beings. Yeah, it's terrible, disgusting, despicable human beings. Or it'll just, there's there's a lot of times when there's just silence and we just stare at each other. Yeah. That gets cut out as well. Yeah. And it's like... Or physical bits that we do, even though it's a audio medium. Yeah. So it's like, why do we do that? Yeah, like, why do we... Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. know. Don't know. Thanks, I got Oh, another thing that happened. Again... Literally, which is, it's really weird that we spend so much time together outside of the podcast, considering this is a strictly professional relationship. Yeah, that, like, we're not really friends, we just work together. Yeah, but she did do henna on my mom. Yeah, I did do henna on her. At our kitchen table. Yeah, so. Yeah. Your moms are, like, like some of my favorite people in the world. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. Don't tell them I said that, though. It'll they'll get cocky. I they they'll, they'll listen to this. So. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyways, 
Um, so, do you think we're ready to get started with the episode? Do you have anything else to add? Not really, no. Okay, then. Okay, so the murder that happens in this case happens in um, mid-2008. But Peyton, tell us a little bit about 2008. I'm so glad that you asked because coincidentally, I just Mm -hmm. happened to know a lot of stuff about that year. Yeah. Um, And I definitely have a lot of really good information. And it definitely was not super confusing to look into this because it was all a bunch of really complicated political stuff that I didn't understand, even though I kept reading articles about it. Yeah. I don't understand, like, atomic. What, what, is, what is civil? Ato- what is a civil atomic agreement? I don't understand. So that's not in here. So I'm not talking like about... Like an atomic bomb. No. Civil. There's military and there's civil. Civil. So, like, keeping it civil. okay what happened in 2008 okay first and honestly my favorite factoid of 2008 the interview of tom cruise in the church of scientology was leaked by anonymous the group anonymous oh oh crazy yeah i which then and then they got taken down for copyright claims so that's when like anonymous really started going into Scientology and exposing a bunch of dirt about Scientology and yeah, a lot of stuff. Scientology is crazy. If you've ever seen um, Scientology with Leah Romini, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that series is crazy. I used to watch it with my mom. I didn't see it, but when I was in New York, I saw the Church of Scientology in New York. Yeah, I saw it whenever I went to Florida last summer. Yeah, they gave us flyers to get us to try to join the church. That's crazy. I have it in my scrapbook. In my brain, I want to go and, like, see what it's like. And then in my, like, brain, I'm also, like, they will literally, like, stalk you until you die. Yeah, you can't just go check it out. Also, like, no offense, you don't have the kind of money to join the Church of Scientology. Absolutely. I would not join it. I would not join it. I would just go there for, like, one thing or, like, yeah. like one audit and then, like, but then my name would be on their list and then they would stalk me, so I'm not yeah. going to do that. Um, also, a gamma ray burst detected by the SWIFT satellite is the brightest event ever recur- recorded. That's fine. Which I feel like you're not excited enough about that this is literally the brightest thing. I'm the brightest thing. That we've ever witnessed. And you're just, like, not even excited about it. I just, I, I, yeah. Whatever. A 7.9 magnitude earthquake in Sichuan, China kills 87,000 people. Big earthquake. That's crazy. No, I think it was like a medium earthquake. It was really big. Really? Yeah, 7.9. Oh, um, NASA's Phoenix spacecraft lands on Mars. It doesn't have people on it. We haven't been to Mars, but it's empty. But it landed there. And then later that year, the Phoenix 1 was the first private space craft to be launched by SpaceX, 2008. The Summer Olympics take place in Beijing, China. The U.S. and most of the world has the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Bitcoin is invented. I thought Bitcoin came in in, like, 2016. No, Bitcoin was invented in 2008 by, um, like, kind of like an anonymous group. Barack Obama's elected. And there you have it. That's in what happened in 2008. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you remember uh, George Bush being in office? No. No. I don't remember. How am I supposed to remember when I was four? I have, like, I remember being in pre-K and George Bush being in office. I remember some things about pre-K, but none of it was political. 
Well, I just remember... <laughs> I just remember him being on the TV, and I was like, wow. Oh, this is our difference. The difference between her and I. Veggie Tales and comedies. Reality TV and... Romance movies. Romance movies. Yeah. Yeah. See, that, that has nothing to do with this, so I just remember being in pre-K and... Actually, wait. Oh, yeah. He was elected in 2008, but they don't start until the next year in 2009. Yeah, I still don't remember that. Okay. I remember well, when he was re-elected, though. You don't remember him being elected? No, I remember him being re-elected. Did you ever do in your class those little things where you, like, write, like, you take a little vote into, like, your third grade class, like, who you want to be president? Yeah. And you just pick who looks the coolest? Yeah. And you were like, McCain, this dude looks like a loser. <laughs> Obama all the way. Obama all the way. He's kind of hot. That's what your, like, four-year-old, five-year-old self said? No. Oh. Four or five-year-old me didn't understand that there are people outside my family. No one? Were you, you weren't homeschooled, were you? No. I just thought that everyone else was, like, a robot. Okay, oh my gosh, moving we're on. off topic. Okay, moving on. Um, so normally this is when we would talk about who was born in this year, but... Not a lot of people, well, a lot of people were born in 2008, but not a lot of people that we know anything about. A lot of these people, I was looking on Famous Birthday, and it would say YouTube star, TikTok star, and it was children that I did not know who they were. You know what did happen? You know what did? What was born in 2008? A lot of really good movies and TV shows. Okay. So let's go over some of those. Okay. Movies. Mama Mia. Okay. Great movie. Yeah. You haven't seen it, have you? No. But I, I have seen it. On I doubt TikTok. you'll have seen like half of these movies. Yeah, probably. Twilight. Incredible movie. I can Again. not agree. Well, but that's because you're dumb and wrong. I just don't think it's like very romantic or attractive that they just like followed her around and snuck and that's like, not in the her point, house. point though. It's good. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's good. The New Moon is the best one though in those series. The books, great. The books are incredible. The movies don't do them justice. Moving on. Camp Rock. Great movie. Oh, my gosh. Great movie. Yeah. Um, Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Fighting. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, High School Musical 3. I wasn't allowed to watch High School Musical until, I think, like, sixth grade. Why? I don't know. Mom, explain yourself. I don't understand. Um, but when I did watch it, Troy Bolton all the way. I have been Troy Bolton. Yeah, I was. I was all about Chad. Chad, oh, I Chad. was a big um, uh, Corbin Blue fan. Mm. I talk about Corbin Blue all the time. Whenever someone's like, "Guess who I saw today?" and I'm like, "Oh my God, was it Corbin Blue?" Mm-hmm. I also talk a lot about China and McLean. Just, like, for no reason. Dude, I looked up to her so much as a kid. I like to imagine that when you talk about random people, it's like they get a royalty check. Okay, so High School Musical 3 came out? High School Musical 3 came out. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, the beginning of the MCU. Mm. Um, Step Brothers. I knew oh you would gosh, love that. That is such a good movie. Brought oh, that one up for you. Comedic gold. Oh, my gosh. Another classic, Wally. Wally. Great movie. Yeah. Marley and Me. Marley and Me made me cry. Yeah. Horton Hears a Who. Great movie. Great movie. Wait, I remember when that came out. In theaters? Yeah. Oh. It's so weird. Okay. Um, Journey to the Center of the, the Earth, which was the movie with 
I believe The Rock and Josh Hutcherson. Oh my gosh, I was, all I, I remember was Josh Hutcherson same. was in it, and I had a huge crush on him. Me too. He was so hot. He still yeah. is. Oh, that man. That man. That man. I remember that movie. I still love that movie to this day. Yeah. Bedtime Stories, the movie with Adam Sandler. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite. I love that movie. Yeah. So good. Dude, Adam Sandler, again, another comedian that raised me. Mm. Yeah. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. You haven't seen Benjamin Button? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so basically what happens is, um, uh, what, what was the name of the guy that was married to Angelina Jolie? Oh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is born as an old man. And instead of, (laughs) instead of growing up he like reverse ages so he's born as an old man and he's like an old man on crutches basically and then one day like in church he's like oh my god i can walk again or i can walk and he like gets younger he ages opposite so he came out like a full human no no he came out tiny but like an old man like old looking (laughs) oh google benjamin button baby okay i'll i'll have to look at that later okay um Another one, I know you'll love, Prince Caspian, the Narnia movie. Again, I had a crush on everyone in that movie. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Pineapple Express. I haven't seen that movie. I thought you might have. I, I think it's a comedy. Sounds really familiar. I think Seth Rogen is in it, I think. Yeah. Um, Mostly Ghostly. Mostly Ghostly. Isn't that like... It was a spooky little movie. Yeah. It was good. TV shows that came out that year. Breaking Bad. Didn't know it was that old. And another, uh, this is, this is, this one's for me. 19 Kids and Counting. Gosh. Love some TLC. Yeah, we know. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, you talk about, uh, you were raised on VeggieTales. I was raised on TLC. Also, part of that is because I was sick a lot as a child, so I would be at home, like, sick on the couch, trash can next to me, watching, like, Extreme Couponers. mm or mm-hmm. say yes to the rest, or four weddings. Mm. That was what I watched a lot as a child, because that's like all that was on mm. during the day. That was good. Mm. Sweet Life on Deck. Ooh, oh pretty my good. Gosh. That I don't like Cole Sprouse at like now, but Cole Sprouse back in the day. I love Dylan Sprouse now. Dylan Sprouse was my favorite um, for sure. Wasn't he? Wait, was he Zach or Cody? Dylan was Zach. Yeah, I was in love with. Oh my gosh, wait, which one was this, the nerd? Cody, which is Cole. Yeah, oh my gosh, I was in love with Cole. Do you remember that one episode where he dresses up like a girl? Yeah. I loved that episode. That Dude. was on Sweet Life, not Sweet Life on Deck. But Yeah. All right, so without further ado, let's get onto the case that we've been avoiding for 34 minutes. I can't believe we've talked for 34 minutes. Yeah, and we've been here for like three hours now. Warning, this episode contains graphic depictions of murder, assault, and cannibalism. Listener discretion is advised. Please use caution when listening, especially if you are under the age of 13. So today we're discussing a truly horrific murder case. Um, This case, though I have read a lot of different, like, true crime stories and watched a lot of horrific, like, shows and seen a lot of terrible scenes, this one has left me quite impacted, like, in a sense. Honestly, I think that's why I talked for so long, because I was was scared, because I haven't heard... I've, I died, don't, I've died it down a lot. Yeah, I don't know the details of the case, because we never really know much about what the other person is talking about. Yeah. But from what I have heard, it is not good. It's, no. It's, it's really not good, and no. I'm really scared to hear about it. It's, um, I died it down a lot, so I don't, like, talk about, like, exactly what he does 
but like I kind of hint at it a little bit because um, it's it gets pretty gruesome so I don't let it get that bad so don't worry um, but yeah so like this one like I thought I was desensitized and then I heard about this case so so let's begin by talking about the victim in question Tim McLean Tim McLean was born on October 3rd 1985 in Victoria British Columbia Canada which I've actually been there before absolutely gorgeous area so I would love to go to Canada dude they hate Americans I don't think okay well they don't like Americans but honestly a lot of the hate that Americans get is just like unwarranted in my personal opinion Canadians or Americans the hate of Americans yeah by Canada Australia and European countries they call us racist but Canada dude the amount of racism is still going on to this day literally that's the issue with every country is you know what's interesting is that we america is to like europe and other countries as the south is to america yeah if that makes any sense where it's like for florida yeah where it's like the entire south is kind of just like well all the bad stuff in america is the south's fault which is like yeah there's bad stuff going on in the south yeah and historically yeah but it's not like there aren't like it kind of like is used as a scapegoat to ignore the issues in other parts of america because then we don't have to deal with it so much yeah so like people from other countries judge us because they don't want to judge their own country and we do the same thing to others yeah so it's kind of crazy yeah but like i've been there and it was beautiful and the people were they okay the people did not like us how did they know you were american because we're loud oh yeah i'm Um, not loud maybe i should go we can't go together because we're both loud together so you're disagreeing with the fact that I'm not loud? No, you're not loud. But when okay. you're with me, like, we laugh a little too loud. Or maybe it's me. Anyways, so <laughs> he, grew, <laughs> he grew up in a small town of Eli, Manitoba. Manitoba? Manitoba. Have you, you, have you seen the video? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was racking my brain wondering how it's, a person like, like this, this could exist. exist. She's from Manitoba. No, that's not right. I was racking my brain trying to think of how someone like this could possibly exist. And then I found out she's from Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah. I love Curtis <laughs> Connor. Yeah. Um, so Tim was said to be extremely warm and extroverted. He loved people and befriended strangers easily. He was very well loved by friends and family. Law and Crime Network said in their episode about this case that, quote, it didn't take much consideration to like Tim McLean, and after you started liking him... Falling for his eccentric personality was inevitable. He was said to see the good in everyone and always gave people the benefit of the doubt. His uncle, Alex McLean, described him as, quote, a little guy with a big heart. Was he physically small? Oh, it was at him as a kid. Oh. Yeah, describing him as a kid. Okay. Um, one summer when he was 22, his childhood friend said that she had a job opportunity for him and told him to pack his bags for a week. The job in question was one working for a carnival as a carnival bake. A carnival barker. Does this happen to be in the summer of 2008? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm, I'm like so stressed out. Why? Just like waiting for it to happen. Oh, okay. Because I know he's gonna die and it's stressing me out. Yeah. Because it always happens to the really good people too. Because like there's all this exposition like he was a great guy. Yeah. And I know that like at some point something is not, something bad's gonna happen to this man. Yeah. I'm stressed yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear about him having a good time at a carnival. Me too, honestly, and it's really unfortunate that, like, he didn't get to live like that, but, um, 
yeah, this job was perfect for him because of his love for travel. He loved traveling. Um, it wasn't supposed to be a long-term job, but it quickly turned into a whole summer job. Um, Tim found a passion for it. On July 30th, 2008, Tim found himself headed back home to Winnipeg after working at Carnival in Edmonton. He boarded Greyhound Bus 1170 on a 24-hour long ride, finding his seat in the back of the bus, one seat in front of the bathroom. He positioned himself in the window seat as he was tired and likely wanted to rest after the long week. He had his headphones in, listening to music most of the time. He sat alone until the bus pulled over for a pickup at about 6.55 in Erickson, Manitoba. This is when a 48-year-old Chinese immigrant named Vincent Lee boarded. <laughs> Lee was traveling from Edmonton to Winnipeg. Now, before we get further into the case, let's also discuss what we know about Vince before the attack. I just wanted to apologize in advance for the lack of information I have on Tim in comparison to Vincent. It was pretty hard to find information about Tim in his childhood, um, but and it was also pretty hard to find stuff about Vincent, but I have significantly more information on him, um, unfortunately. And I, I just wanted to mention that because I just I, I want to kind of honor Tim, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's because, like, with people like Vincent or other people who, you know, do these things, a lot of people are drawn to, like, do a lot of research into their backgrounds to kind of get an idea mm -hmm. of, like, maybe why this happened. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, with him's family, it's just, or with him, like, it's just his family, like, having memories of, or and his friends being like, yeah, he was a good dude. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, they, they have no reason to really share that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to butcher Vincent's uh, Chinese last name and where he's from, but I'm going to try anyways. Vincent Swang Guang was born in Dandong, China, on April 30th, 1968. Unfortunately, we do not know a lot about his upbringing and early life. From some sources, I found that Lee had been born one month premature and was a fragile child until his early teens. As a preemie, he was never incubated. His father said to the psychiatrists assessing Lee that he was, quote, about two years late in developmental milestones such as talking and walking. He even said that the man had started school about two years later than what was normal in China at the time, the age of nine. We do know that, regardless, Lee was a good student and, and was very intelligent. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in engineering at Wuhan Institute of Technology in 1992. From here, he became a computer software engineer. Around this time is when he met a woman he would soon marry. We know her only as Anna. They married in 1995. As a husband, he mostly just worked and came home to eat and sleep. He never displayed any mental illness or violent tendencies. He was said to be nervous, however, and, quote, restless, always moving around. The couple went on to immigrate to Canada in 2001 and became citizens in 2006. It was said that Lee faced a lot of troubles when it came to learning English. He also found it very hard to find and hold down a good job for which he was qualified for. With his degree, he should have been able to get a good job, but again, his difficulties learning the local language was very hard. He was only able to find menial jobs despite his secondary education. Peyton, tell us a bit about what it was like for Chinese-Canadian immigrants at the time in the job market and how hard the language gap was to navigate. Okay, so before talking about um, like learning English or anything about what immigration was like, you know, when he immigrated, 
I think you have to kind of address the history of Chinese immigration in Canada to understand mm-hmm. kind of the social issues that that may have still been like affecting him when he got there. Mm-hmm. So after so okay in the 1800s a lot of Chinese immigrants began to come to Canada and they were used for cheap labor to build the Canadian Pacific Railway. Mm. But after that railway was completed, they were the labor was no longer needed. So a head tax was implemented in 1885, where in order to immigrate as a Chinese person, you had to pay a fee, and this fee continued to increase like for years as it existed. Wow. But then in 1923, this was replaced um, by the Chinese Immigration Act. This policy prevented most Chinese citizens from entering Canada. The exceptions were Canadian-born Chinese, so if someone was born in Canada um, but had like gone back to China or something, they could come back. Um, students, diplomats, and some merchants, mm-hmm. um, but like only for certain things. Um, and anyone of Chinese descent had to register with the government and receive an identity card or they would be imprisoned or fined. Wow. So these were people that were already had already immigrated to Canada or had even been born in Canada and had been there for generations. Mm. They also could not leave Canada for more than two years or they would be unable to re-enter. Wow. This act wasn't repealed until, until 1947 but there was still um, complicated immigration policies mm-hmm. until the 80s that were just kind of vague and just allowed things to, like, allowed people to get in kind of on a case-by-case basis where, um, like, even in World War II, there was um, a ship of Jewish refugees and they were denied entrance into Canada. Um, wow. so the, they, that was one of, another one of the issues with their immigration policy is that they did not make any clear, like, rules on their policies for refugees. Mm-hmm. So sometimes refugees would get in, sometimes refugees wouldn't, because they didn't really have anything in writing as what constituted as a refugee. Mm. So in the 80s, that was when things started to improve and they made more, um, like specific rules. Mm. But even now it is still difficult to immigrate to Canada. Um, but they prioritize like skills, education, and like what you can bring to the country. Mm-hmm. So it is still sort of difficult to move there. Gotcha. But by the 90s, Asia had become the largest um, group of, of immigrants to Canada, beating Europe. Wow. And by 2002, a year after Lee immigrated, over 30,000 Chinese immigrants moved to Canada yearly, and this number has continued to grow. Wow. So, obviously, early 2000s, economy was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a study by Hugh and Pickott, they found that, quote, a national unemployment rate increase of 1.0 percentage point and the year of admission was associated with a 2.9 percentage point decline in earnings 
of immigrant men arriving that year among immigrants admitted between 1980 and 2009. So basically what that means is that they were basically more adversely affected by the declining economy than non-immigrant people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't help that he was still trying to learn the language as well. Yeah. Um, um, I actually do have something um, about him learning the language that um, his wife said that um, Castor told CTV um, Winnipeg, quote, I think he would occasionally feel frustrated with not being able to communicate or understand. But we have very patient staff members, and he seemed to respond well. Castor said that Lee did not show any signs of anger issues or any other troubles before he quit this in the spring of 2005. Um, and that was when he worked for Memorial Church for six months to support his wife, Anna. So that was his, um, the pastor. Castor was the pastor. So... Castor the pastor? Castor the pastor. Um, basically, yeah, he was like, um, he did feel frustrated a lot of times. Learning um, English is difficult for Chinese speakers um, because in a lot of ways, our languages are just like kind of fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. Well, we have a lot more like specific words, mm -hmm. even though that there are a lot of Chinese characters, they are able to be used kind of interchangeably mm -hmm. within context. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to learn as many like very specific rules or not specific rules, specific words mm -hmm. for specific things. Um, Chinese is also a tone language. So um, tone changes change the meaning of words. Mm -hmm. Whereas in English, we use tone to indicate like our emotions about what we're saying. So that is part of the reason why it's like difficult to learn and it can also lead to a lot of miscommunication mm -hmm. where your tone doesn't match like what people think your tone should be mm -hmm. because you're not used to using it that way yeah i'm learning a language that's kind of similar to that um thai i've talked to you about it um thai they use five different tones and mm -hmm. you can say like the same like thing in five different tones and it means five different completely like completely different things yeah so I yeah. believe there's five or six tones in mm -hmm. Chinese. There might be six. Mm -hmm. um, they also don't have, like, a lot of the things that we have in English are just not part of their language, like consonant clusters, mm -hmm. like um, the DR in drive or the SP in speed. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, two consonants without a vowel separating them. That does not exist in Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also not an L, R, or E sound in Chinese. Is there a V? Um, I don't think there's a V or a W. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a lot of, um, Asian languages, it's, um, it's, they're very similar. Most of them derive from Chinese, so that would make sense. But, like, yeah, saying, I've heard, um, one of the Thai people I know trying to say V, and because it's not a part of their language, it's pretty hard. So I can't, like, imagine not having any of the other letters. Mm. There also are not plural words. So, like, how we would say, like, there's puppies in there. They would instead be like, there's two puppy. So that you don't change the word to make it plural. You just add, um, like, a, a numbered word. Mm -hmm. um, they also don't have articles like A and the or things like that. Mm -hmm. 
four tenses. So like, um, drink, drank, drunk, drunk, drink, drink, drunk. drunk. Um, they don't have those. It's just like one, like thing. Mm-hmm. And again, there's more context in the language. So it's like there's tone and context. So it's like one word can mean so many different things based on the tone and the context. Mm-hmm. So it is confusing for a lot of Chinese speakers how many different words there are in the English language. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that all just, like, goes to show, like, how hard it is to learn English um, as a Chinese person. Um, it's like that for a lot of other people learning English. English is just generally, apparently, like, a very hard language to learn. Yeah, especially um, grammar, I've heard, is mm-hmm. the most difficult because we yeah. have more like, complicated grammar and more strict rules on grammar. Yeah. So between the time he immigrated and when he attained legal citizenship, Lee began to face some mental health problems. His wife noted in 2004 that he had begun complaining that he was hearing God, but figured that he was just sick. She said that she, quote, thought he was so tired, so I bought him sleeping pills from Shoppers Drug Mart, but that didn't work too well. He was institutionalized in 2005 after being found by police walking down a road, quote, completely disoriented and appearing as if he had not eaten or slept in several days. He claimed that God had told him to do so. So he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but continued on untreated. According to the APA, schizophrenia is, quote, a chronic brain disorder that affects less than 1% of the U.S. population. When schizophrenia is active, symptoms can include delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, trouble with thinking, and lack of of motivation. However, with treatment, most symptoms of schizophrenia will greatly improve, and the likelihood of a recurrence can be diminished. There is no known cure, and there is also no known um, cause of the disease. So it's very interesting and a little bit, like, mysterious in nature. Um, the DSM-5 says that you have to have at least two of the five, ma- five main symptoms to be qualified as someone with schizophrenia. Um, those five symptoms are delusions, hallucinations, disorganized or incoherent speaking, disorganized or unusual movements, and negative symptoms. So um, most people with schizophrenia also um, experience psychosis. Peyton, tell me a little bit about what uh, psychosis is. Psychosis mostly occurs in young adults, um, but neurological disorders and things like um, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia um, and severe depression can increase your risk of um, having psychosis even in other like parts of your life. But it's actually very common and it can happen to anyone, with um, Yale finding that as many as 3 in 100 people will have an episode of psychosis. That's actually kind of crazy. Yeah. And there are three phases in, like, an episode of psychosis. There is the prodrome phase, the acute phase, and the recovery phase. So in prodrome, um, not everyone experiences the same symptoms, but some of the main symptoms that you see are reduced concentration, depression, changes in sleep pattern, like being awake all the time or sleeping all the time, anxiety, paranoia, social isolation, and unusual beliefs, Mm -hmm. Um, not quite reaching the level of, um, like, delusion and hallucinations at that point. So in the prodrome phase, it's kind of like, sort of like a slower descent until we get to the acute phase, where 
you know, you have things that are unusual happening, happening where it's like someone is experiencing changes in sleep pattern or depression, but this can be like confused for other things or just seen as someone just having an off week or something. And then it starts to get more like suddenly intense, suddenly intense when you reach the acute phase. So some of the symptoms of um, that are confused thinking. So you'll have difficulty concentrating, um, maybe difficulty holding a conversation. And this is the acute phase? Yes. Um, processing information, remembering information, not making sense when speaking. So like jumping between topics or just like stop talking in the middle of your sentence or just something like that. And um, this is again where a lot of things with this are kind of like they are with well I guess a lot of things like mental like illnesses are like this where it's like it's just an unusual pattern mm -hmm. for you or in general where it can be like you sleep too much or you sleep too little so you can also be seem to be thinking in slow motion or thinking very rapidly so it's like there's a lot of different ways that these things can present mm -hmm. and it can be different for everyone um, and then there's also false beliefs. So this is like, like the belief that you're being watched or something like that. And no amount of reasoning with someone experiencing this can sway them because their brain has fully convinced them that this is true. Um, and then that can be further reinforced by hallucination, hallucinations where you can see, hear, smell, feel, or taste something that isn't there. So uh, a common thing is with the paranoia is thinking that people are out to get you. So you may think you hear people or you may think you see something on the TV that's a message that someone is watching you or even when you taste your food, it doesn't taste right, which can further convince you that someone's trying to kill you and poisoning your food. Mm. So it, it's like it really like it all combined together reinforces all of it, like mm. all the beliefs that they mm. have. Um, changed emotions, so mood swings, like going from being, you know, really happy to suddenly being angry or upset with you, um, extreme emotions, so just from high, extreme highs and lows, mm -hmm. and, or, again, where things can present in a lot of different ways, seeming to be completely unemotional or devoid of emotion, mm. and then changes in behavior are being extremely active or extremely lethargic um, emotional outbursts that don't have a seeming like cause um, and then there is just strange behavior which is is fueled by those delusions like you know like thinking that oh I need to board my windows because someone's watching me mm -hmm. um, or oh, I can't go there because this person's going to get me if I go there. Um, and then in the recovery phase, um, most people, um, when they experience psychosis, do make a full recovery. And 25% of people will never even have another episode after their recovery. But one of the most important things with having a, a successful recovery with psychosis is early intervention. Mm -hmm. Um it's a lot more successful and you're a lot more likely to prevent further um, 
episodes in the future if there's early intervention. I keep saying, um, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. But some people will have to have, um, God, care for the rest of their life where they may have these continued episodes. Mm. Okay. So I actually kind of do see, I kind of do see a few similarities with some of those stages with the way that he was presenting himself, Vincent was. Um, he was also like claiming that he saw and heard God. Do you know anything about like, I think it's, is it religious mania? Um, well, it's actually really common, but mm. because it's so common, it has actually been given an official name in psychiatry mm-hmm. um, of religiosity or religious preoccupation. Mm. Um, and it's, it's v- extremely common in people with schizophrenia. Um, a German study of 269 patients with schizophrenia found that 39% had experienced religious delusions and that strong religious affiliation or beliefs before um, these episodes increased the risk. But American psychiatrist E. Fuller Torrey founded that in the U.S., around half of schizophrenia patients had religious delusions, whereas in Lithuania, um, psychiatrist Palmyra Rudelovicini, maybe? Rudelovicini? Maybe. I don't know. Um, found that in Lithuania, it was as high as 64% of people with schizophrenia had religiosity. So have you looked at, like, the parallels between, like, what, how religious that those countries are? Because I know America is a very religious country. I talk about it like I'm not here. Yeah. Um, but, like, I know that that could be, like, a cause because everybody's exposed to religion here. Yeah, it could be. I also saw that in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. there were lower mm-hmm. um, instances. Mm-hmm. But Lithuania... Well, I guess Lithuania is, is it Western or Eastern Europe? It's kind of in the middle. Lithuania is no state religion. There is no state religion. The biggest faith group is the Roman Catholics. Um, According to the population census in 2011 in Lithuania, about 77% of those who deemed themselves religious were Catholic. So they were pretty religious. They are pretty religious, I guess. Um, Another thing that's common in religious mania is starvation or fasting um, and self-harm in the forms of, like, flatulation as showing forms of devotion to God in extreme forms um, or just amounts of prayer that are near constant and seemingly absurd like praying mm-hmm. about everything or like thinking that in prayer they are ha- they have like a direct line of communication with God and the things that they say you know mm. will happen so yeah it can be very harmful yeah it seems like it can be yeah I was just going to say there are cases of um, nuns who took it to the extreme of um, ending up starving themselves because they would fast so severely mm-hmm what was that lady's name? Um, Catherine of Siena. If you have, like, if you want to do any research on some interesting cases of religious mania or in early times, um, you can search Catherine. Catherine of Siena. Siena. Catherine of Siena. We can't talk about her. Yeah, we can't talk about her, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's very interesting. Because the most important thing about her, we're not, uh, I've been told I'm not allowed to say on pod. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um... Anyways, so Vincent Lee, um, though he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, he was not, he, he remained untreated. 
Um, I think he just didn't take his medicine or he was never given medicine. I don't know. So Lee went back to China where physicians said that he was quote unquote fit. His father disagreed but couldn't do much. Lee failed to find a good job in China and was later divorced by Anna after she visited him in China. She then went back to Canada. He also returned later as well, and the couple reunited in 2007 when Anna heard that he was homeless and living in his car. During this time, Lee found a job working for Walmart and delivering newspapers. In late July 2008, Anna returned home to find Vincent's things gone and a note that read, Don't look for me. I wish you were happy. Anna didn't worry at first because she said that, quote, when he felt stressed, he went somewhere for a few days and then came back. She did become worried, however, when she found that Vincent had left his beloved car behind. She said that he loved his car and wouldn't leave it. This is always so unusual to me in, like, cases where someone disappears and they're like, oh, this person was known to disappear for days on end. Yeah. That would stress me out so much. I could not have someone in my life disappear for days on end. Yeah. I'd be like, you have to tell me where you're going. Yeah. I... Yeah, I couldn't. I have abandonment issues. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so like she was worried for him and had a bad feeling that something may happen. And unfortunately, she was right in the worst way possible. Yeah, but probably not in the way that she thought. Oh, no, absolutely not. She probably thought he was dead, but, uh. Yeah, or probably thought that, like, oh no, someone's gonna hurt him. Yeah, oops. <laughs> On July 29th, 2008, Lee boards a Greyhound bus bound for Winnipeg. At around 6 o'clock p.m., he exits the bus in Erickson, Manitoba. Witnesses claimed that he had three pieces of luggage with him at this time. That night, he slept on a bench next to a grocery store and close to the bus stop. According to a witness, Vince was seen randomly sitting straight up, eyes wide open. Remember, he had previously been sleeping on the bench. Vince sold some of his luggage, including his computer and other things like that, to passerbys. We don't know exactly why Vince did this, but in my research, it seems as though he may have been entering a manic episode of some sort or just... So we don't have any information on where he was going or why he was... So he was um, headed for um, uh, Winnipeg. Do we know why? Or why he wanted to take the bus, not his car, like anything specific? Mm Mm-mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that we'll never know, like, what was going on inside his head. Yeah. That caused him to, like, caused this train of events to happen. Yeah. Like, what was a trigger? I yeah. I don't know. Maybe his whole life. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think about. But, yeah. Um, so, he was selling all of his things, and we don't know exactly why, but, yeah. Um, regardless, we do know that he was waiting for bus one he was waiting for bus 1170, the 24-hour bus ride that I was talking about earlier bound for Winnipeg. This bus only picks up passengers once a day, so he was waiting for quite some time. The bus had stopped for passengers headed to Winnipeg to take a pit stop, do what they gotta do, and take a breather. Do what they gotta do. Do what they gotta do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do, (laughs) take a breather. Yeah. Um, They were also picking up new passengers. This is when Vince Lee enters the bus, seating himself further in the front. Remember that, remember that before I said that Tim was sitting all the way in the back window seat. Vince seemed to have been minding his own business as well as Tim. Both men were likely quite tired. Do you know, um, like, was the bus full or were they, like, the only people on? Um, they were not the only people on. They had, there were a lot of passengers. So. Okay, but, like, it wasn't, like, jam-packed, but they were, like... They had a decent amount. But it, was it was a decent amount of people? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Um, which is kind of crazy because like. Yeah, I'm. Like I'm a lot of witnesses. Again, I don't fully know what happens in this story, which is why things keep happening that very much confuse me because I know some of how this ends. Yeah. And I just don't understand how it's gonna get to that point. Yeah, this that's why this uh, this like um ca- case is really crazy. Yeah. Because, like, you don't know what's going on, and he's quite unstable in this state, so it's, like, again, like, you don't know what's going to yeah, happen. And, and another crazy thing is he might not even know why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. Because it is common, um, like, when you're having an episode of psychosis or, like, another kind of, like, mental health crisis to just fully not remember yeah. A lot, a lot of what happened. Yeah. So he may not even remember, like, where he was going, why he was selling his stuff. So now we'll never know. We don't know why he was selling his stuff or where he was going, but we do know why he did what he did. What he claims is the reason he did what he did. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, there was a scheduled rest stop at about 8 p.m. where Vince Lee got out to have a smoke break. When passengers boarded again, Vince made eye contact with Tim McLean near the back of the bus. Tim, being the kind man he wa- the kind man he was, offered Vincent a smile and motioned for him to sit down next to him if he wanted to. Instead of taking his seat in the front like he had previously, Vince took Tim up on the offer and sat beside him. I'm so stressed. Yeah. Again, Tim was known to be very extroverted and never to shy away from conversation with strangers. He was almost a free spirit and saw the good in everyone. So when Vince took a seat beside him, Tim tried to start small conversation to get to know him a bit. When Vince didn't respond to his attempts in conversation, Tim shrugged it off and went back to listening to his music and eventually falling asleep against the window. Not long after, a witness said that Vince's behavior began to change. Another passenger noticed that he was behaving in a more nervous manner, fidgeting a bit and muttering in a low voice. He was sputtering, quote, some kind of Chinese chant. It was strange, but it wasn't overly alarming. Nothing was. Previously, Vincent's behavior was normal. He was unassuming, and most people thought that he was just another regular person on his way to Winnipeg. Unfortunately, they couldn't have been farther from the truth. Interesting note that I read somewhere, apparently on the little TVs in the bus they had, the Return of Zorro was playing while all of this went down. Like on the back of the seats, like in a minivan? No, like it was like on the ceiling. If you've ever been on like a charter bus kind of vibe. I haven't. Oh, well. The Legend of Zorro? Yeah. No, The Return of Zorro. The, retor- the Return of Zorro. Yeah. I have not seen that. Oh, okay. Hold on. Have you? No. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but it's just an interesting thing that I randomly just a, heard. Just a like, fun fact. Yeah. Bailey Sarian actually did an episode um, on this. That um, movie is ruined forever for all those people on the bus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most things were ruined for them forever. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure the legend of... Or no, what did you say? The... Return of Zora. The Return of Zora. I keep saying it wrong every time. Their PR team was not happy. Yeah. They hear about that. And Walmart was also yeah. not happy. Yeah. Like how OJ said in his official statement how he stopped in McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, why did you say that, man? Don't bring us into this. Wait, why was Walmart not? Because he worked at Walmart. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm sure, sure, like, papers at the time were probably like, Walmart employee, Vincent Lee. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. He did actually get fired, like, a couple weeks before and mm-hmm. that's and yeah so he was planning this trip but like didn't tell anybody it was very strange what is the evidence that he was planning this trip um, or are you he getting had taken off the time he had taken off um some like 
like a week or so from work mm-hmm. um he had like scheduled some time off and then he got fired so with a di- for a disagreement with a co-worker do we know what that was about no mm. yeah um all right so the return of zora was playing it was about 8 30 p.m when passengers say that out of nowhere the quiet atmosphere was pierced with an absolute blood-curdling scream this woke everyone up obviously vincent had pulled a large knife out of his backpack and just began to stab Tim over and over, waking up the man, obviously. Vince was stabbing Tim in the neck and chest. So this was uh, his Tim's scream or Vince's scream? Tim. Okay. Witnesses say that Tim was trying to push Vince off of him, but failed. At some point, Tim ended up on the floor of the bus. Again, he was cornered to escape. He was cornered, so escape would have been hard because of how secluded the area that they were in was. Remember, he was against the window in the very back. Despite being yelled at to stop, Vincent kept going to town, stabbing and stabbing. Eventually, the bus driver, whose name was Bruce, pulled the bus over and evacuated the passengers off how, the bus. Wait, I'm sorry. How long did it take him to pull this bus over? Not long. Okay. Yeah. I, okay, you, you said eventually. Because I was like, did he just keep going for like 10 minutes? And I was like, this will sort itself out. I, no, but okay. it, like, there's no like... Did exactly. anyone try to stop him? Um, I think that they were most of them in shock. And Well, I mean, I guess if someone's wielding a knife, you don't exactly want to yeah. get right up on them. Yeah. Um, so Bruce pulls the bus over and evacuates the passengers. Um, and at this point, the police were called while Bruce stayed on the bus and began his attempts at convincing Vince to stop and calm down. This proved to not work when Vince began to approach the bus driver with a knife. Bruce then flees the bus and closes its doors beginning to barricade Vince inside and locks it. They didn't know if Tim was still alive at this point. A bus driver in the area drove by the scene soon and pulled over to investigate. The bus, this bus driver's name was Chris. So we have two bus drivers, the driver of bus 1170, Bruce, and the passerby bus driver, Chris. Chris asks what's going on, and when he sees the crisis occurring, Chris helps to barricade the door shut. They were still waiting on the police when Vince gave up his attempts to leave the bus. He diverts his attention back to Tim, continuing to stab him repeatedly. Just a reminder that this bus was pretty big and there were very big windows as well. This means that literally all of the passengers were witnessing the gruesome scene unfolding. The passengers later were plagued by horrific nightmares and other problems caused by this huge trauma that they all endured. Seeing this crime occur on a random Tuesday was not in anybody's plans for the day. Shock, horror, disgust, and many other emotions had to be brewing in the people at the time. It was also said that many of the passengers had been throwing up because of the situation. Do you know if there were any children on the bus? I was actually thinking that. I, I don't know if there were any children it, on the bus. Nothing specified. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't even if there were because children. Like but, to protect their identity. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Another Greyhound bus carrying more passengers noticed the scene and pulled over to investigate as well. This driver's name was Bernie. Bernie decided to get back on the bus to check if Tim was still alive and to possibly de-escalate the situation. Despite some protests from others, he boarded the bus and began his attempts at this. He pleaded with Vince saying, why are you doing this? Please stop. But Vince simply replied with the words, get emergency, and continued to assault Tim. Bernie said that as he was telling Vince to stop, the man was looking at him in a way that seemed to suggest that he was going to kill him too. Bernie said that he then looked at Tim to see that Vince had abused his body to the point of almost decapitation. He was working on decapitating Tim. So he was dead at this point. He was dead. 
Um, when he goes back, when after trying to leave the bus and he goes back to attacking Tim, mm-hmm. do we know if he was still alive at that point or? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, he had already been absolutely brutalized by that point, so they just really, I, I think that he was at that point still alive, um, but I mean, whenever the other bus driver started pulling over, he was probably already gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was stabbing him in the neck a lot, mm-hmm. so there is a major artery there. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how long it takes you to bleed out from there, but... Yeah. I mean, hopefully... And in the chest, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he probably died pretty quickly, but... Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Unfortunately, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. it's sad that you're like, hopefully he died quickly, but... Yeah, but, like... That's more ideal than having to suffer for an extended period of time. Yeah. He was almost decapitated. He was working on decapitating Tim. This is when Bernie realized that there was no saving Tim, and he fled the bus. They barricaded the bus again, and decided to cut the power on the bus so that Vince couldn't make any attempts to flee the scene at all. Bernie engaged the emergency immobilizer system, making the bus inoperable. Vince then did try to turn on the bus. When he realized that he couldn't go anywhere, Vince got super pissed. He went to the doors and began to try and cut and stab his way out the door. When he realized that there was no escape... Vince just turned back to Tim's body and continued to brutalize him. After he was already dead? After he was already dead. Um, and I, I, I looked it up, and um, death, uh, bleeding out from a stab wound t- usually takes about five minutes. Yeah. So, so. Or it can take as little as five minutes. Yeah, and with the amount of stabs he had already suffered. Yeah, and, and like major arteries. Yeah. It would probably, probably be on the quicker on. side. Yeah. Um... At 9, 30 minutes after this all started, police finally got to the scene. They tried to negotiate with him and get him to turn himself over. His responses were hectic and relatively unintelligible, but one thing that everyone made out was that he said, quote, I'm going to stay on this bus forever. I don't want to go into any more gruesome details, but I will say that Vince began to disembowel and disembody Tim. Again, the passengers could see all of this. One thing that a lot of people don't talk about in these kinds of stories is that not only is there an awful sight that the passengers were viewing, but there were also sounds that they were subject to as well. I can't imagine all the awful sensory traumas that these poor people were experiencing. Like, it's, it's awful. I can't even imagine. Vince made a show out of disemboweling Tim and began to even cannibalize the man. Like making a show like... To try to specifically show the people outside. Mm-hmm. He walked around with trash bags full of his organs, and he... Tw- even, like, at the windows. Yeah, and he bit into Tim's heart, and he carried his head around. Um, it was just very gruesome, like, yeah. incredibly gruesome. And um, at about 9.30 to 10 p.m., the passengers were all brought to the police station to make their statements and just leave the scene in general, because God knows they were there for far too long. Yeah, I'm surprised that the other bus didn't try to remove the people from the scene. Yeah, but they were, I mean, I understand because they were all preoccupied, but at the same time, like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, back at the bus, at 1.20 a.m. on July 31st, Tim broke out of the back window of the bus and began to throw his belongings out. Things like his... 10.38? Bling- yeah. No, uh, 1.20. 1.20 a.m.? Yeah. He's been on this bus for so long. Yeah. How have they not gotten him off at this point? I, I don't know. I, I, I maybe I don't understand Canadian police procedures, but in America, 
he he so would have been shot by this point. Yeah. Or like they would have like raided like the bus and then just like shot his kneecaps out or something to do. Yeah, like he him. they there would have been use of violence to have captured him at this point. Yeah. They wouldn't have just waited for him to come out. Yeah. No offense, Canadian police. But uh also probably like when this like all first went down, if this happened in America again, I'm sure someone on the bus would have had a gun. Yeah, for sure. And and shot him. Yeah. He would have been gone dead. Yeah. yeah. Well, Vince may also have had a gun if he was in America, so... Oh. You know. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really... This is... I mean, there's... Theoretical. Like, the, fully theoretical, <laughs> so... Um, uh, so back on the bus at 1.20 a.m. on July 31st, Tim broke out of the back window of the bus and began to throw his belongings out. Things like his bloody knife and the scissors he had used in the assault. He just had the the scissors and the knife in his bag. Yeah. That makes me suspicious of him. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, no, like it's obviously he's a suspicious person at this point, but I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. There I, had to be some kind of premeditation. Yeah, like, like, he was, he was, he had, well, I mean, scissors is one thing. Yeah. Maybe you're, you're a big fan of arts but and crafts. But a long knife? A knife? It's like, clearly there was something. Yeah. Either there was something planned, or he thought that he would need to protect himself at some point. Yeah. Because I know I keep a knife on me at all times. But a little knife. Yeah, sure. It's not like a butcher knife. It's not a butcher knife. That's what I'm saying. It's like a hunting knife. Yeah. Yeah. I also have a tiny knife. Mm. Mine is a pocket knife. Mm. I have a mini knife and I have uh, just a knife. Like a, like a hunter knife. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He then jumped out of the window and tried to make a run for it. The police tased him. Again. Thank you. Tase. Right. America. Right. Well, I mean, I guess ideally they want to keep him alive so they can charge him. Yeah, for sure. But, like, but it took them that long. Th- this is, like, the one time I'm just, like, we need more guns. Yeah. Like, this is, like, normally I'm, like, gun control is important. And now I'm just, like, oh, my God, Canada, just get more guns. Right. It sounds like it's these police that are. Yeah. It sounds like these police are very similar to the LAPD. Like, in their amount of effectiveness. Yeah. Like, none. (laughs) Yeah. So, he was detained. Um, Police then boarded the bus and saw the horrific scene. I'm not going to really describe it because I don't really want to traumatize you and the listeners and Peyton. um, But, golly gee. Um, Peyton's already making a horrible face. Yeah. Um, There were lots of parts all over the place in trash bags and such. Bags of organs, bags of blood. Um things just all over the bus i feel like i have a question that i feel like i need to ask but i don't want to ask ask i feel like i shouldn't ask but i'm just like i feel like was he emasculated like no wiener yeah i wouldn't be surprised okay yeah well just because the way you were like things were everywhere i thought that's what you were alluding to no. okay so, so like, i just brought probably. that up for no reason it's okay sorry i'm leaving that in okay yeah Police noticed that they can't find Tim's ears, nose, or tongue. Uh, They later found this on Vince's person. Some of Tim's parts and organs were never found and thought to have been eaten by the killer. The passengers were then taken from the police station to a local Walmart to get clothes um, and such. And a lot of, because a lot of them had vomit and tears and blood all over them. Um, Things you don't really want to stay in. Um, there were, they were then sent to another bus to Winnipeg to get home. Oh. Yeah. Um, Vince, in trial, claimed that he was not criminally responsible for the murder. 
Basically, he accepted the fact that the crime happened, but pled not guilty because he, quote, wasn't there mentally. He said that the voices in his head told him to do it. He claimed that God told him to kill Tim and that the kill was, quote, not my kill, and that, quote, God kill him. God choose me to kill him. God angry at me because God asked me to stay in Erickson forever. God choose my hand to kill. I truly believe that. So there is something to be said about like the difference in mental capacity with someone that's in this kind of mental state. Um, like biologically, there's a lot of things that go on with someone with schizophrenia versus um, somebody that is that has like a neurotypical mind. Peyton, do you know like anything about like the like the schizophrenic brain? Coincidentally, I do. I'm just a fountain of knowledge, really. Yeah, we just like know like a bunch of random facts. Yeah. So, so gray matter. Gray matter covers your brain like a little blankie. Mm-hmm. Or like um, if you ever watch Cake Boss, it's like the fonda on top of the cake. Oh yeah. Um, and your brainstem, and it's also inside of your spinal cord. Gray matter makes up the a part of the central nervous system, um, white matter also makes up part of it, um, but gray matter controls cognition, emotion, memory, and movement. People with schizophrenia have less gray matter, especially in the temporal and frontal lobes. The frontal lobe controls voluntary movement, like uh, waving hello, mm-hmm. and language, and executive functions. Mm-hmm. So executive functions are things like um, organizing, um, motivation. If, I don't know how to fully explain that if it doesn't make sense, but mm-hmm. do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I know what you Okay. Mean. The temporal lobe controls auditory processing and memory. So those are things that would have been, um, that world that are like affected in people with schizophrenia. And then white matter Um, has the nerve network that sends communication signals throughout your brain and body. Um, White matter has abnormal structure in in people with schizophrenia. So it's basically like your brain is not so good at communicating things with itself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And I saw things that the microstructure is even different. So Mm -hmm. it's very different. Um, But it seemed like there isn't like a specific, like I didn't get specific details from what I saw on how it's different. It just seems that it's just structured differently than a neurotypical brain. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the idea that, and the fact that we don't know what causes schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, We know that there are some people that are more prone to it, but we don't know what exactly causes it. So that kind of goes hand in hand with that idea. Yeah, and the, the people with schizophrenia are also more sensitive to changes in dopamine, um, which is another thing that, like you just said, we don't know exactly what causes schizophrenia, but there are, um, there is be- being more research done into like the processing of dopamine in um, the brain of people with schizophrenia and the effect that that has like on it because um, an increased amount of dopamine um, contributes to the hallucinations, delusions, unusual speech, and disordered thinking. That is, like, kind of the most common things that people think of when they think about schizophrenia. And antipsychotic drugs that are given for schizophrenia, they help by blocking dopamine, recept- re- dopamine receptors and helping with these symptoms. But 
it can only help with these, um, they're called positive symptoms. Mm. Um, uh, but negative symptoms like, um, like changes in memory, mm-hmm. um, things like that are not able to be treated with antipsychotics. Mm. Gotcha. Um, there's also excess glutamate um, in people with schizophrenia, which negatively affects your cognitive function and memory. So mm-hmm. a lot of things combined are affecting cognition and memory. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things going on. So there is something to be said about the um, plea that uh, he was not guilty by reason of, of insanity. But at the same time, I, I'm also kind of partial towards, like, you murder someone, like, you're guilty. Yeah. But I also understand that there's some things that go on, you know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, in this case. In this case, I have very conflicting feelings. Just because, again, like, it, it bothers me that I don't know exactly what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that he had the knife and the scissors on his body and he was planning this trip, like, obviously, like, it seems to be premeditated, so obviously he was planning something. Mm-hmm. But I wish that we had a better understanding of what he was planning to do and why, like, why did he have the knife? Did he think, you know, like, what was going on in his head? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I need a better understanding of that to, like, really make... A judgment on that yeah but I don't also the the way that he like seemed to want to show off for the people outside of the bus mm-hmm. also seems unusual to me mm-hmm. like I if, if it were to be like if he wants to take the like insanity plea mm-hmm. like that just seems like something that requires like I don't know you to be more sound of mind to think to do that mm-hmm I don't know if there's any, um, like, actual, like, like standing to saying that, but that just, I don't know, that to me that seemed weird mm-hmm. for something for him to do. Yeah, that's fair. Because it seemed before, like, like with other things he did, like, he was basically just ignoring the other people on the bus to do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And when people tried to stop him, like, he... He seemed like he would become violent towards them. So up until doing that, he seemed very goal-oriented and not really focused on other people, like just very much what he was thinking and possibly, you know, fueled by delusions Mm -hmm. of, you know, his religious mania. But I don't know. That just seems... Bizarre. It it doesn't seem like it fits in with the other stuff that he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know. And yeah. he doesn't explain that in court, does he? No, I don't think so, no. I don't remember. That's that's the most confusing part to me. Yeah. Because the other things, like, I can understand, like, why he would do that in his mental state. Like, thinking, like, oh, well, God told him to do that. Why? Like, okay, God told him to kill him. That's what he says. Okay, I understand why he, you know, why he says that. But, like, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem in line with what he's saying. Yeah, and he happened. did at one point say, like, I, I think I read it earlier, that um, God was angry. He said, God angry at me because God asked me to stay in Erickson forever, but he had left Erickson and um, was going to uh, Winnipeg. 
So maybe that was his thought process, or maybe he was just lying, but we don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, if he's diagnosed with schizophrenia, like, obviously there's something going on. Yeah, we never but, know, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, um, he then, like, went on a spiel, uh, saying that there were good and bad gods, and that bad gods told him to do it. Um, Winnipeg Free Press said in their article titled, Tormented by Mental Illness, that Vince said, quote, I don't think that I don't think about God every day. Lee told Rutenberg in one of his final sessions, quote, but sometimes I ask God why he picked me to do these things. I'm an average person. I trust God. God is 90 to 99% good, which is a weird statement to say. Lee was charged with second degree murder, which is murder with malicious intent, with no premeditation or planning. The judge found Lee not criminally insane in 2009 and had him sent to a psychiatric facility. In February of 2017, Vincent was released and allowed to re-enter society as a free man. So was he ever officially diagnosed with schizophrenia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. According to CBC News, the province's Criminal Code Review Board ruled he is no longer required to attend annual reviews or abide by conditions. He later changed his name to Will Lee Baker. What disgusts me even further is that he was also called a, quote, model citizen by Chris Somerville, chief executive of Schizophrenia Society of Canada. He says that Vincent regrets his actions every day and never reoffended again. And CBC adds that Chris Somerville said, quote, society has nothing to worry about, really, because as the review board noted when they gave him absolute discharge, he was at low risk of offending. He compared the reoffense rate of 7% in Lee's situation to the 47% chance of reoffense with with people coming out of federal prison locally. So he was saying that um, he wouldn't reoffend because he was in a psychiatric facility rather than in a prison, which there is something to be said about that. But at the same time, we know what Lee is capable of if he doesn't take his medicine. So how are you going to say he's like 100% not going to do it again? Yeah, but I don't know. I think... And this is something that um, one of the issues raised, like, now, like, reevaluating, like, the press of surrounding it at the time is that this is a very difficult thing to talk about. And it's, like, very, like, risky to make statements like that because it's, like, can that not be said for then all people with mental illness? Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they present a danger to society if they don't take their medicine. Look at what he did, which is not something that we can really, like say Mm -hmm. and I don't know I feel I know that I feel extremely conflicted yeah me too because like for some reason in my brain I'm like he killed somebody therefore he's a bad person um but then I like I have a friend that has schizophrenia and I'm like he's literally like one of the nicest people I know again it's like one of those things where like it it's it really goes case by case I guess and just because I'm just letting everybody know, just because you have schizophrenia does not mean you're going to kill somebody. Most people with schizophrenia don't kill somebody, obviously. Well, I was just referring to kind of like the bad press Yeah. that was like, surrounding things at the time, being like a mentally ill man yeah. murdered um, someone. Yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way, like saying that, because I meant to say it earlier in the episode, but schizophrenia and being a murdered, like a murderer, two mutually exclusive things. Yeah. Like this dude clearly had things going on mentally but that like 
just because somebody else has schizophrenia doesn't mean they're going to kill somebody. So, like, there's a lot of, like, representation of people in the media saying that, like, people with sociopathy are going to kill somebody because they don't have empathy, which is not the case. People with sociopathy just are going to, going to be more self-serving. Like, I think you said last night. Yeah. Um, they're not all going to go off and murder people like Ted Bundy. Um, so it's, like, really, again, like I, like I said, it just goes case by case. And then we also have people who we see are murderers that don't seem to have any presence of mental illness. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, it's difficult to fully blame something on why someone kills people. But it, it is really difficult to say what should happen because, like, on one hand, it, it feels like there needs to be justice for Tim and his mm-hmm. family and the horrific thing that happens, and it feels like, you know, there, there something has to be done about that. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, I also feel sad for Vince that he was so tormented by his schizophrenia that it drove him to that point. Yeah. Um, I think that in situations like this, they need to get mental help Mm -hmm. and they need to get like stabilized and then face like prison time or something. Cause like there still needs to be justice, but they need to be like, okay. You know what I mean? Before they can, I don't know. It's, again, like, it's I, one of those I things think, where it depends. I don't know. I think we also have weird views of the prison system in America where yeah. it really should be a way to rehabilitate mm-hmm. re, but re, rehabilitate rehabilitate people. Yeah, but it's So more... it's like if a stay in a, in a um, psychiatric facility can do that rehabilitation, then shouldn't that be sufficient enough? Because at that point, you're just sending them to prison just because punishment yeah for punishment because it Mm -hmm. makes us feel like justice was served when vindicated yeah when it it really i mean that's fair it doesn't change anything tim like will always be dead and whether or not he goes to prison like that doesn't that doesn't avenge his death really yeah so like i said it's a very like complicated like case and really like Oof. I don't know how many how many years was he in a psychiatric facility? Uh, he got out in 2017 and he got convicted in 2009. So about like eight years. I mean. Yeah. I so, mean that's a pretty long time. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like empathy, but I also feel anger. So it's just yeah. like one of those things where like those two emotions fight, you know? Yeah. And like there's no 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 emotion is going to win. I feel like there's also the difficulty that it's like you feel angry that you can't just... This is one of those situations where it's it's frustrating that you can't just be like, well, Vince was a bad person. He murdered someone because he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of simpler for us when it's that way. Yeah, but, but when it's no black and white with this kind of thing. Yeah, but when it's so complicated like this and there's so many factors involved, then as humans we really want to have just a black and white villain and to be able to easily categorize people as good or bad Mm -hmm. but a lot of times that just isn't possible and it's frustrating yeah but i i don't know i mean if his doctors feel that he made significant improvements like i i don't know i think that i think that we should put more focus on rehabilitation 
after oh, for sure. after committing crimes. Yeah. But you said he won't have like further like review. Yeah, he won't. Um, but basically, he's won't. not on like parole or anything. Right. Yeah. I think that with situations like this, there should be some kind of like parole system, basically to do like a wellness check in. Yeah, to make sure he's doing okay. Yeah, to like ensure that. He's taking his medicine. He's taking his medicine, or it make sure his medicine is still working. He might have to have mandatory, like mandatory, appointments. Maybe, yeah. But it said that he was free of any of those kinds of. Oh, things. any restrictions? Yeah. So, I mean, he might voluntarily be going to yeah. therapy or something. Because I mean, like he had trauma too. Yeah. Like after that, like he had to have trauma. So, yeah. like, he definitely did need to go see a therapist, so he probably went to go see yeah. a therapist. I mean, I'm not a doctor or I'm not involved in the legal system, but in my unprofessional opinion, after release, I think there basically should have been kind of, like, a probation period. I don't know how long it would last or maybe even just, like, ongoing where, like, ha- he has, like, court-mandated therapy or, like, wellness check-ins just to ensure that... Because it's not even just about making sure he doesn't reoffend. it's also about his well-being to make mm. sure he doesn't not just hurt others but hurt himself and prevent like it even getting anywhere near the point that it got mm-hmm. in 2008 mm-hmm. yeah and this isn't us disrespecting the family or like the family of tim or like the grief that they're going through this is just us like like panning out like how we feel about the situation again we're bystanders so we like really don't have a lot of room to feel but we also are still allowed to feel you know about the situation um i do have some other things about like the aftermath um so carol didaly um tim's mother is deeply hurt by the outcome of the trial she said quote maybe he's feeling better today my son's still dead what if he chooses not to take his medicine we know what he's capable of in 2011, two of the passengers filed a lawsuit against Lee, the loyal Canadian Mounted Police, and the Canadian government, asking for $3 million in compensation for, quote, witnessing and defending Lee stabbing, oh, witnessing, quote, witnessing the defendant Lee stabbing Mr. McLean Jr. to death, mutilating his body and performing acts of cannibalism. The lawsuit was dropped in 2015 when, quote, the bus line said it could not be sued under Manitoba's system of no-fault vehicle insurance. The family of Tim McLean filed a lawsuit against Greyhound Lee and the Attorney General of Canada for $150,000. Greyhound apparently offered no condolences, words, actions, or anything to suggest they felt bad about the incident at all. The the bus company? Mm-hmm. I feel like, like what is the bus company going to do? I don't know. Like, like, how could they have prevented this in any way? This has nothing to do with them, really. I feel like they should have at least said, I'm sorry, for, like, that, like, that this happened for you guys. Like, but, like, they just, radio silence didn't respond to anything, didn't even address the situation at all. Yeah, but I don't feel like they're responsible for a lawsuit. That's the difference between you and me. Really? You think they should have been responsible for a lawsuit? No, I don't. I just think, no, because at the end of the day with them, it's just, like, kind of, like, hurt feelings. Like, they didn't say, like their condolences yeah. but because i think if you that get mugged in a walmart parking lot it's not walmart's fault mm-hmm. it's the criminal's fault in the same way that it's not the bus's fault that lee got on their bus mm-hmm. i don't know that, that he sat next to tim i don't think that they should be like held in court in a lawsuit 
Um, but I, I do think that they, they should have said something like, I'm sorry that this happened to you or something like that. I just feel like it's courteous, but at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like, like what, I, like what I'm saying is like, I feel like, yeah, they probably should have been like, like made a statement, but, the light is on. but also like, I don't feel like they're obligated to really do more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, McLean Sr. said that, quote, right from day one, we received condolences and thank yous and so sorry's from everybody. From Transport Canada, from RCMP, from the media, everybody except Greyhound acknowledging their condolences. And to this day, Greyhound still has not acknowledged any condolences or anything or done right by our son. Okay, Which, now, I'm, now I'm feeling shade towards Greyhound. Yeah. Knowing that the Canadian Transport Agency yeah. made a statement. Yeah. So... The lawsuit, from what I have read, is still up in the air, but I truly hope that and pray that the family gets some kind of justice they deserve, no matter how far down the road it comes, no matter if it brings money or not. Or, I think that, at the end of the day, they should have still gotten some kind of, like, accommodations of some sort. Not that, like, they were entitled to millions and millions of dollars, but, like, get them therapy. Like, yeah, okay, therapy I can understand, but then, like, I don't, I don't think that, like, something like that entitles you to, like, financial compensation, because it's, like, you can't, you can't pay them for the loss of a family member. You yeah. can't be, like, oh, here's, this is compensation for Tim's death, like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, at that point, it's, like, like, what are you going to give them? Like, no amount of money will bring their son back well bring their son back or like you can give them as much money as you want it's not gonna fix that hurt Mm -hmm. and unfortunately um the passengers that witnessed all of that all of the like the atrocities that lee um presented them with basically um none of them were given any therapy at all the only thing that they got um compensation for was their clothes like new clothes they didn't get any therapy they didn't get any statements mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy because i feel like they should have been like at least entitled to therapy after seeing that kind of thing but who would have paid for that but at the same time canada like their health care system is different so i don't know what what would be going on or whatever but uh, it's really unfortunate because they didn't get really any help um yeah. a lot of them turned to alcohol drugs um and i don't it's just really unfortunate i think the most I guess respectable thing for Greyhound to have done would have been to make make a statement to the family, make an official statement. Um, just because it, it it's just not a good look to mm-hmm. be like, why aren't you saying anything? Mm-hmm. It just, like, I think they're trying to keep their name out of it. But, like, your name is already Yeah, in. like, you can't, ma- like, not making a statement. this case is called the Greyhound killing. Yeah, not making a statement isn't going to keep you out of it. It's just going to, like... It's going to look bad on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, then, okay, so official statement, condolences. Like, I don't think they necessarily have to be, like, apology, like an apology, Mm -hmm. but, like, offer condolences. Yeah, be like, I'm sorry this happened to you. But, like, Like, don't be like, I'm sorry this happened to you. Not my fault, though. Just be like, sorry this happened. Yeah. Um, And I don't know. I I, want to say... At least, they they at least need to compensate, like, 
therapy for the bus drivers yeah. as employees oh, of their company. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I those don't bus know. drivers, I don't even know if they went on to drive buses again. Yeah, I don't know if, like, they should have been the ones responsible for, like, care for the passengers, but I think at least the bus drivers as, as mem- like, members of their company mm-hmm. should have been taken care of. Or give them a raise or something. Like, yeah. they had to deal with that, and they give saved them, all of their passengers. Put them on a retirement fund, something. Yeah. Um... But anyways, that's the case of the Greyhound bus killing of 2008. Super depressing. Yeah. I don't know why I decided that I was going to do all of these awful cases, but I'm too far into it, so can't go back. Um, My next episode will hopefully be lighter and less bleak. Um, Please remember to be respectful towards the family and friends of Tim, who still grieve his loss today. This was so dissatisfying. Yeah. Like, which I mean, I know, like, obviously there's not a happy ending, but it's just like... There's no true, like, justice or, like... Resolve. There's no ideal outcome, really, from this situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so... Cut and dry. Like, but there's no resolve, no conclusion, no peace of mind given to anyone. Yeah, and there's so many unanswered questions. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things that I want, which, obviously, I asked a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things that, like... I want answers on that mm-hmm. just aren't out there, mm-hmm. yeah. which is frustrating mm-hmm. that, you know, we'll never get the answers and Tim's family will never, never really have true answers as to why what happened happened. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so that's the conclusion of episode four. Um, that was my episode. I'm Piper. Um, I'm Peyton. And this is, this was, archives. this was Offbeat Archives. Offbeat Archives. Um, where can they find us if they wanted to, like, get in contact with us? Oh, if they wanted to get into contact with us, then they would yeah. have to email us. Yeah. At our personal business slash personal, whatever. Yeah. I don't know, however you want to think about that. Email at offbeatarchivespodcast at gmail.com with questions, concerns. Or suggestions. Yeah. And if they want to, like, follow us on any of our social medias... Yeah, well, they could definitely follow us on Instagram at offbeatarchives underscore podcast or on TikTok at offbtarchives. That's O-F-F-B-T archives on TikTok. Yeah. So follow us there. Give us a five-star rating on Spotify. Follow us on Spotify. Um, We really like looking at the numbers. Yeah, we do. Um, Piper especially. Yeah, Piper especially. I look at them we're, like every we're, day. we're working on videos. Yeah, it's really, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're not professionals. No. Like, we literally, like, we're like, let's get a mic. And then, like... Yeah, at Walmart. Yeah, 25 bucks. And the yeah. mic is decent. Um, yeah, it's so far away from us so that we don't constantly peak. Yeah, because... But- it just gets farther and farther away from us every time we record because, yeah. like, the mic that we got was is super sensitive. It's a really good mic for, like, kind of. $25, but, like, super sensitive. Anyways, that marks the end of episode four, this week's episode on the Greyhound bus killing. Please remember to pay attention to our Instagram and um, see what we're going to be doing about this summer's um, episodes. Remote podcasting is going to be pretty hard, so... We are currently planning for the next episode to be Peyton's episode on Mothman, but again, it's going to be difficult, so keep your eye out on our Instagram page. And without further ado, remember to have a lovely week and keep it funky fresh, or stay stinky! (laughs)